Good morning. Uh, let's just pray a little bit before we dive into our scripture. Lord, as we uh, look at this week ahead, we ask that you would lead us and guide us. We're thinking about the fact that there is an election happening in our country this week uh, from the local level right up through, and we just ask for your wisdom and your grace as we make those decisions and we ask for your wisdom for all those who serve our country, serve our public, serve as elected officials, guide them and lead them, Lord, and may your will be done. God, we also want to join with those around the world this morning who are specifically praying for the persecuted church. This is something that we always want to be doing, Lord, but we know there's power in gathering together specifically. So God, today we lift up all those sisters and brothers in Christ who are suffering for their faith in you. Make them strong. Make them courageous. Make them able to keep their eyes fixed on you, and may they know, Lord, that their sufferings are not in vain, that you are using them to plant seeds and water those seeds that will raise up a new generation of believers. Lord, help us as we live in a place where it's relatively easy to be a follower of you, to be strong and courageous as well, not to be apathetic and help us to stand with those who suffer for you. And God, now as we look into your word, would you speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's look this morning at 1 Peter chapter 3. We're reading verses 13 and 15. 1 Peter 3, verses 13 through the beginning of verse 15. I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. I also want to read to you uh, just a couple verses from Romans. Romans chapter 1. Verses 16 and 17. Romans 1, 16 and 17. So this is Paul the Apostle writing to the church in Rome. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and then the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. 
This is accompanied from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This is God's word for us today. Well, today is the final day of our BLESS series that we've been in all fall long, and we've been uh, exploring how we can be a blessing to those around us, and we've looked at ways that our practical, everyday lives can be offered to God in a way that he can use to help bring people a step closer to faith in a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. And today, this last S, we've been on this last S in BLESS for several weeks, which is share your story, share your story. Today is share the power of your story. When we talk about sharing your story, we mean your story of faith, your story of how you came to a relationship with Jesus and what that means to you. It's really sharing your story and God's story and how those stories connect. In the book, Just Walk Across the Room, it says, our love for stories begins at an early age, as little kids begging weary parents, read it again, read it again. As we become mature, contributing members of society, our childlike fascination with the powerful hero or the magical fairy morphs into a simple desire to enter into someone else's reality in hope of making sense of our own. Every person alive today has a story too, and possibly the greatest realization a person can make is this. Listen to this. My story fits into God's greater story, and that's the greatest story ever told. Yeah, wow, we have the most powerful story ever to tell people, the story of your life and the story of God's redemption and how those two fit together. That's, that God's story is, is the gospel. That word gospel literally means good news. It's good news. The story of how God created all of us, gave us freedom, and we humans misused that freedom to beat up on each other and become separated from him, and that he decided to give himself as a way to bring us back together, to make a way to heal that divide between humans and God and humans and each other. And he came in, in bodily form, Jesus, to, to live our life, to die our death, to take away our sins, to rise again and defeat death on our part. And now we get to be in a relationship for all eternity with him. That's the story, that's the good news. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Did you notice it doesn't say the gospel, the good news contains power? It says it is power. The good news is the power of God at work. It's powerful because it changes lives, even if it doesn't seem powerful. 
One of the privileges I have as a pastor is I get to serve on what's called the District Committee on Ordained Ministry. And this is uh, a group of pastors and lay people who um, are the place where if someone's feeling a call to ministry, thinking, I just, I feel like maybe God's calling me to, to serve more, to become a pastor, they come and see us. And then we kind of shepherd them through this whole process of getting their education and their credentials. And then uh, we have a lot of pastors in our little churches around who aren't ordained, but are sort of working on their education still. And we kind of watch over them and help guide them. One of the things that we almost always ask people when they first come to us is, tell us your faith story. So I get to hear a lot of people telling us their, their journey of faith and their story of, of how they came to Christ. And I've been amazed over the years and so humbled that so many times the power of the gospel changes their lives, but it comes in a form that doesn't seem powerful at all. I remember one woman saying to us that she became a Christian in first grade when her best friend sat down with her and said, you need to know about Jesus. She heard the gospel explained by a seven-year-old. And that was enough to open her heart. She was like, okay, yeah, you're right. I want Jesus. And she invited him into her life, and that changed the whole course of her life. I remember another person who said that she had become a Christian in junior high. She was sitting in a Sunday school class, and the, store, the, the lesson was about the omni-attributes of God, how God is omnipresent, God is omnipotent, God is, what's the other omni? Omniscient. He knows everything, he's everywhere, he's all-powerful. And that that just struck her so much, she kind of got a, a glimpse of who God is, and that was enough to to make her want to give her life to Christ. And I was blown away by that because I thought, man, I have taught a lot of boring Sunday school lessons. But think, one about the three omnis could change someone's life. The gospel is powerful in itself. It doesn't have to be fancied up or anything. The gospel is the power of God. You know, when you go to a, uh, to a hotel, there's often a Gideon Bible in the, the drawer. And yeah, we have the head of our local Gideon group right here. And you have Larry and Laura to thank for some of those Bibles that you encounter in those, those ho- the hotel rooms. And there are so many stories of people who didn't know anything about God, who just picked up that Bible and started reading the good news and They encountered the power of God in their lives. When you share your story, it's powerful because the gospel is powerful. And it's also powerful because your story is yours. And it's precious to you. And it's real. And whenever you share something precious precious with someone, that blesses them. We have a blessing starved world around us. And if we don't share the good news with them, who will? Where else will they hear it? Today's scripture reminds us that we are not the first followers of Jesus 
who need to remember how powerful our stories of faith are and how important it is to share them and, and how challenging, let's be honest, we find it challenging, don't we? First Peter, written to the first century church, urges those Christians to do the same thing that we are exploring here today. Share your story of how God's been involved in your life. He starts out in verse 13 saying, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Lest we get too pessimistic and overestimate how hard it's going to be to share our faith, he reminds us most of the time it's going to work out okay. And you know, research bears that out. You hear us mention the Barna Research Group sometimes. They do a lot of uh, research about Faith in America, Lifeway is another uh, research organization that does a lot. They, uh, they conducted a survey of 15,000 adults a few years ago to try and determine um, how people encounter the church and encounter faith. And this is what they discovered. They discovered that about 65% of Americans say that a personal invitation from a family member, a friend, or a neighbor would be effective in getting them to visit church. 65% of people, of those 15,000 Americans said, yeah, if a friend or a neighbor invited me to church, yeah, I'd go with them. 65%. I think that's amazing. Sometimes I think we build this up as some huge scary thing that is never going to work, but I think we have a lot of friends and neighbors who are kind of waiting for an invitation, who would be really open to that. We need to remember that. So the writer of 1 Peter says, who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? And then he moves on in verse 14, but even if you should suffer for what is right, he reminds us it's not always easy. It wasn't easy back then, in New Testament times, for people to share their faith. I think sometimes that's an excuse we often give. We say, well, in today's world, you know, in America, in 2018, it's, it's hard to, to be a Christian. It's hard to share our faith. This, this letter reminds us it was never all that easy. It was never always easy. In fact, it's always been challenging to be a follower of Jesus. It always involves dying to yourself and rising to new life in Christ. That's a reality check. We think we need to hear over and over and over again. Fair warning, we might have to suffer for doing good. Following Jesus might push us out of our comfort zones a lot, all the way to dying to ourselves. But that's how we find life in Jesus. He says if we hold on to our lives, we'll never be able to grasp the life that Jesus offers us. It's only by letting go of our lives that we're able to take in his life. You know, did you ever sign up to do anything worthwhile that didn't involve some sacrifice and suffering? If you showed up for football practice on the first day, Would you expect the coach to say, this is all going to be easy. Don't worry. I'm not going to push you. We're just going to feel good the whole time. And the minute it starts to not feel good, you're free to go. 
No, what kind of football team would that be? We know that that isn't the way football works because we know in order to get to the good part of football, you got to sacrifice, right? You got to work hard. It's going to be painful. It's like that with everything in life. And yet somehow, sometimes I think we fool ourselves into thinking following Jesus is just going to be like one giant hug. And the minute that it gets uncomfortable, we're like, I don't think it should be that way. That's not right. Reality check. Sometimes we have to suffer to do good. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And he reminds us that here. He says, even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. That's what we're talking about this fall, right? Even if you are suffering for what is right, you are blessed. We are blessed. And we're blessed to be a blessing. It will be totally worth it to have Jesus look us in the face one day and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You took what I gave you. And you blessed others with it. We tend to define being blessed as coming from things that give us peace and joy and and comfort and abundance. You know what Jesus said being blessed comes from? Being poor in spirit, being meek and hungry, mourning, being persecuted. The Apostle Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. That's what it means to be blessed. So Peter goes on here and says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Always be ready. You know, it is possible to be ready. We can We can work on that and and think about it and practice it a little bit. And that's what we're doing in our small groups. And we can do that with our friends and our family. It takes some of the fear out of bringing faith into the conversation. The more we do it, the easier it gets. Walk across the room says this. Regardless if they are formally gifted in evangelism or not, all Christ followers can be prepared to engage people in spiritual conversations and do what they can to point people toward faith in God. When conversations take a spiritual turn, it is critical to know how to convey two stories with humility, clarity, and brevity. Those two stories are your own faith story and God's good news story. Peter says, always be prepared to give everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that you have. Hope is a powerful thing, isn't it? How does Christ give you hope? That's your story. The answer to that question is, the, 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 is, is, is your story. And he says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Well, that's kind of a relief, isn't it? Because we don't want to be jerks. I mean, I think that's why a lot of us don't like to share our faith because we're afraid of coming across as jerks, right? And we all have those stories of people who have come on too strong or who have, you know, used the Bible to kind of bang people over the head and we're like, oh, I'm not, I don't want to be like that. Do it with gentleness and respect. Surprise the world is the subtitle of this series. 
Wouldn't people be surprised if Christians came across as gentle and respectful? We can do that through the power of God. So friends, let's do this. Let's do this. Not just until the end of this week and we move on to a new topic and a new series. Next week is going to be great, by the way. We're going to have a praise band reunion. The kids are going to sing. It's going to be really cool. So don't miss next week. But let's not stop blessing others and helping them move toward Christ with our everyday lives. Let's live this way for the rest of our lives. Let's let bless be a turning point in which we shift our lives and open our mouths and bring faith into the conversation to our family and our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers. Let's pray every day for the rest of our lives. God, use me to be a blessing today, especially to someone who doesn't know you. You know, we can begin praying and inviting right now for the Advent and Christmas season that is right around the corner. People are especially open to things about faith during the Christmas season. And it's an especially tender time for people who are alone, people who find themselves far from family because of death or divorce or kids leaving the nest. They need our love this season, especially. So invite them over to eat. Invite them into the life of you and your household. I'll never forget when Bill and I were first married. We were living in Alfred in a dorm with how many upperclassmen? It was terrible. Um, (laughs) And we found this little Methodist church to be a part of. And... uh, just we'd only been there a month or two and this older couple invited us to their house along with some other students to come and decorate their Christmas tree. They were at the point in their lives where putting up a Christmas tree was a lot of work. It was hard. And so they invited us to be a part of it and we were so thrilled. We went to their house one Sunday afternoon and had cocoa and cookies and put their tree up and decorated it, and we became lifelong friends. And it was so simple. Just inviting people into our lives and into God's love. Let's make that our lives this season. Let's fill this place with people who are lonely and hungry and hurting and need the love of Christ. We all have people like that in our lives. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Friends, I think that is exactly what we need to bless this blessing-starved world. Not a spirit of fear, Because perfect love casts out fear. Not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. The power of the gospel. The power of God at work in us. A spirit of love. That God would 
give us so much love for people who need him that we can't help but reach out to them. And a spirit of self-discipline that we would be able to push out of our comfort zone and into that place of life and purpose in Christ. We are blessed to be a blessing. If we keep all those blessings to ourselves, it'll kill us. I'm not kidding. It'll kill us. We were not designed to just take in all the blessings of Christ and hold on to them. You've probably heard this said about the Dead Sea before. It's the lowest place on earth, and it receives all the runoff from the land around it, but it has no outlet. So it gets more and more full of salt and minerals. And it's so full of all the things that drain into it from all the land around it that nothing can live in the Dead Sea. No fish, no seaweed, no nothing. Because it takes it all in and it doesn't send it back out. I don't want us to be people who receive God's blessing and don't let it out to others. If we come to understand that our greatest purpose and joy in life will be, is helping people come to a relationship in Jesus Christ, that is where we will find real life. Are you in? Are you in? Let's do this. Let's stand and let's ask God. Because this can't happen on our own, right? I'm going to invite the band back up here. We're going to pray a little bit and then we're going to sing. Let's ask God to do this work in us and to give us what we need. Let's pray together. God, you have promised to give us not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Lord, we confess that often we choose fear instead of our rightful inheritance in you, which is power and love and self-discipline. So today we give you our fear and we ask for your love instead, your perfect love which casts out fear. God, would you give us such a love for lost people that it breaks our hearts that we cannot look at our neighbors without longing for them to know you. That's what you were all about in this world. When you walked this earth, Jesus, you were all about lost people, and we want to be the same way. So fill us with love, God. Fill us with your power, the power to push through into the uncomfortable parts of life push out of our comfort zones, to try new things, to learn new ways of sharing our faith. Let that be our joy and our passion. God, give us not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline for your glory, Jesus, for your glory. We ask it all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.